0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
2: Sandry hates bullies, and we all have some choice words to say about them. This episode will contain swearing.
3: Oh, welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And
4: I'm Goodwin.
2: Today we are reading Chapter 9 of The Will of the Empress.
5: So grab a cup of coffee,
3: or tea, or your drink of choice,
4: and let's be a home wrecker.
2: As I recall, chapter nine opens with Gudruni's husband showing up and uh, being an obnoxious fuck. Yes, exactly that. He basically wakes up the entire household. Oh, yeah. Gudruni,
3: I know you're in here. You come back to me now. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Not caring and, if he's showing disrespect to anybody. Which, to be fair, like on some
2: level, the. Uh, The nobility here uh, demand probably more respect than they deserve. But in this case, like... true, but... You don't need to go waking up the whole house. Yeah, you don't need to go waking up the entire house because your wife
3: wants a divorce. Especially when it's the ruler of that land, basically. That's a bad idea all around. (laughs) Sure, nobility in general, sure, whatever. But, like, the person that could potentially get you killed if she wanted to. So I'm gonna go wake her up in the middle of the night. It's fine. She won't do nothing to me.
4: This man is just he has all of the audacity.
2: Hey, I use that software. Me too. (laughs) The long and the short of it is Sandry is like I'm your liege lord, as is my right. I dissolve this marriage and you're no longer married to her. Uh, So you can go piss off now. Her children are coming to live here. She's going to be my maid. And then everybody's like, you said you didn't need a maid. And she's like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm trying to do a thing here. Shut <laughs> up. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> and so then, then because of that, all of her siblings get even snarkier at her. And then uh, kind of bug her off and go back to sleep or whatever. And then she hangs out with Baja a little bit. Katie and Rizu have decided that they're going to go writing. Daja tells Sandry, like, hey, you want to go writing with us? She's like, I have nobility shit to take care of. She goes to tell the housekeeper to, that they need to make space for Gudruni and her children, leaving Daja to talk to Gudruni. and Daja gives her the rundown of, so we're mages, don't touch Sandry's needles, be
3: careful around us, because we can all fuck you up. We'll fuck you up if you hurt our girl, Sandra. You try to take advantage of her. She does like the big sister
2: thing. Mm -hmm. She's like, if you hurt my sister, I will kill you. And then does whatever the Smith Mage Emelon equivalent of like, then like pumping a shotgun is. (laughs) (laughs) Is
5: She's got a bullet on the table (laughs) with a Sharpie and say, here put your name on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what my dad did
2: all the other nobility go riding. all the boys totally goofing off Children. and then <laughs> yeah and then we kind of it looks like we kind of settled into a uh, a routine sandry's doing her nobility shit tris is teaching jagorse the secretary <laughs> which i feel like i now need to
3: call him all the time she is talking to ambrose about uh, some floods that happened in parts of her lands. And he has not, Sandry has been spending a
2: lot more time really carefully going over the taxes because she's realized that she hasn't given them enough attention. She notices this money that was going to go to repairs and it it got redirected. And so she talks to Ambrose and finds out that this place has been flooded. They haven't been able to put down a good well they're just having a lot of problems she tells him this is what i'm gonna do to get you some money right now and i want to go see this place tomorrow and then i think it ends with them going to visit she yep. goes with ambrose and Triss, and it kind of ends with them arriving in this area Puff and Kim. she's being the damage for herself
3: Puff Yeah, Kim. the other kids didn't want to go with her because it was dreary outside and they're like it's We can barely handle all the bowing and everything when it's a nice day. I don't think we can handle it on a bad day. So we're going back to bed. But she brings Tris because Tris is the umbrella. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And when she tells Daja, she's like, but Tris can keep the rain off of us. And Daja's like, but there'll be mud and I don't want to deal with mud. Is Tris cool with going?
2: Like, does she? I feel like we do get her opinion on it somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> like, is
3: Sandry just like, hey, you should go with me so you can be my umbrella? Well, Tris was kind of going through the taxes with Sandry because Sandry's like, there's this weird line. And Tris was looking at it too. She's like, yeah, that's kind of weird. And then Ambrose's wife walks in and is like, yeah, uh, this is what it is. He didn't want to tell you because you guys are all mule headed. Yeah. So, yeah. So Tris is there when she's talking about it. So she's
2: kind of like, yeah, I'll go too, yeah, I'll go too. Um, which is good because she's the umbrella. And then, yeah, so it ends with just this little moment where the little girl who says, you're not stuck up like everybody thinks Nobles are. And then the mom freaks out. No, shut up, get up, get up, get up. <laughs> Which is fair and a very good reaction to have if you are a mother in Namor. But the little girl is right and Sandria is not stuck up. She shows that she is different and that's kind of where we end.
3: Uh, I I felt the mom right there. It's like, oh man, our kids say shit that we don't want them to say. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes. yes, I know I said that, but shh, don't be telling people I said that. Shut oh up. <laughs>
2: So this rolls us right into part one of our three-step reading process, which is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and didn't like about the book. So tell me, what did you guys like and dislike about this book, this chapter? Not the whole book yet.
3: Yeah, not not the whole book yet. We're not even halfway through it yet. Me yeah, and Goodwin can make some guesses for you about what we like in this second half of the book. I
4: like when the Queen gets owned by Sandry.
3: Yeah, I love that part.
4: And I liked when everything turned out really good for the good people. Yeah. I'm what? good at this. Wow. <laughs>
2: So what did you guys like and dislike about this chapter?
3: My first one is when all the kids see that Sandry is getting on her noble stance. And they're like, all three of them had seen that stubborn jut of Sandry's chin and the blaze of her eyes before. In this mood, Sandry was capable of capable of facing armies armed only with her noble blood. For sure. They have definitely seen it countless times. My favorite still is when she bit a kid. It's like, uh, same to dog. She's noble, so she can get away with it. I have a dislike in this chapter when Halmar is screaming to get his wife back. And Sandry's like, shame on you for using a disgusting trick to marry her. And he's screaming, she was lucky to have me. She had nothing. All her clothes had holes in them. And she was angry had all she had nothing she was lucky to have me and she wanted to act like she was better than me and turn her nose up at me and what was, a dick but i don't know it just reminds me of all those nice guys out there they're like oh i'm so great i'm so cool i'm i don't get why nobody wants to be with me because i'm so nice i'm so great dude shut up fyi to
2: dudes who like are genuine like decent people but don't understand why women are generally not trusting of dudes this is why Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who aren't genuine nice people and it is safer
3: for us to not trust you Yeah, they want to try to pretend to be nice until they don't get what they want and then they're like fucking bitch you're ugly anyways I didn't want to talk to you
5: there's been more than once where I've had a guy friend who's like oh I think we'd be really good together and I'm like man I'm not interested and then, like, within two weeks, it's gone from, oh, you're, like, a really good friend to, if I ever see you again, I'm going to punch you in the throat.
3: Yep. yep, I've had several of those as well. Yep.
5: This is why I don't date guys.
4: I-, I feel like I have to throw my hat in here, because as <laughs> a actual nice guy, uh, you don't have to fucking say it, you just fucking do it.
5: Exactly.
4: Don't yeah, don't, yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. you're a nice guy. Don't 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 tell people that because that's like the exact opposite of what a nice person would do. Like yeah, a good one. Are you
3: trying to convince me
2: or you? It's yeah. it's like when somebody says, "I'm not racist," but
4: yeah, <laughs> it's the butt is unsaid, but it is there. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Good one. You're not yep. a nice guy. You're a great guy, and we oh, love you.
4: Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I thought you were going to say you're. A Got a good win good guy yeah
3: you're a good win uh, ah <laughs> my next one is when ambrose's wife how do we say her name and i think the
2: audio says ilaga
3: okay i'm gonna go ilaga when she tells ambrose you said things would be different when at uh, the clemen clehem Cle- whatever i don't know clehem at home. I see now you weren't joking. Perhaps you should order that the catapults be inspected in case she wants to practice with those later. (laughs) Amen. Oh, that's
5: my favorite lines in this entire chapter.
3: Oh, great. We've already talked about this, but I like the part when Daja is being the big sis. If you try to take advantage of Sandry, that would be sad. We really won't like it. People usually wish they just left the four of us alone after they've experienced us as unhappy. Big Big threat there.
2: I don't know. This just feels very appropriate in this book because we've already talked about how like we're butting heads against the Empress and that's the Mm -hmm. whole point. So like it's not directed at the Empress at all in any any way. It definitely feels like foreshadowing for that.
3: My next one is still the conversation uh, with Daja and Gadrini when she tells her, once she decides to make your life better, look out. It's easier to throw yourself off a cliff than it is to keep her from sweeping you up when she's in that mood. That's how they all became friends. <laughs> because She's like, you know what? Accurate. You guys are my friends. I don't care what you say. We're friends.
4: <laughs> so, are we besties?
3: Uh, Yeah. You already knew that. We've always been friends since the day we met.
4: <laughs> Yesterday
3: yesterday we were friends yesterday and then I really like that Daja and Sandry's connection is open again it was like ah melted my heart it was so sweet like and Sandry was so happy my next one is when the girls are waiting for Jack and Briar to show up to go writing and Katie's like, Jack was complaining just last week that women always keep him waiting. He's never going to hear the end of this. It reminded me so much of Steven, because he's always like, You take so long to get ready. And then I'm ready. And he's like, Oh, I gotta go do all these other things. I'm like, you could have been doing these things while I was getting ready. Now I'm waiting on you. You always complain that you're waiting.
4: Okay, okay. Waiting I, I, hold up. I gotta defend Steven on this one. Uh, because I go through with this through this with Allie all the time. Uh uh-huh it takes me like 20 seconds to put my shoes on and like get my wallet and my keys and ready to get out the door compared to what i've been waiting for Allie to get her makeup and stuff done i I don't think it, it, it
2: but i also distinctly remember that in another episode you pointed out that in that amount of time that she's doing that you could have put on your shoe. Exactly.
4: I could have, but there was still time. I'm not late. It's just like he says J- Jack was there. He showed up. He wasn't late because they were <laughs> still there. So it's fine. He wasn't
2: late. Right. My magic leave without the men. Clearly. <laughs>
4: Don't just give us the benefit of me. the doubt. Just leave.
3: <laughs> say you're waiting on me, but you oh, it takes me 20 seconds. Well, then use those 20 seconds. You are waiting 30 minutes or whatever within those 30 minutes you those 20 seconds get your shit ready so okay. as soon as i'm done we can walk out the door i,
4: I, I feel like i have to get into i i i put it, putting the keys in my pocket fight, fight, putting the fight, wallet fight, in fight. my pants
3: uh-huh, uh-huh.
4: the other stuff that i usually carry on my person when i go out all that's heavy and it, it pokes me in the pockets and stuff why would i put it, put it in it
3: out in the car
4: but, but uh, why put would, it in I, the
3: car. You're I'm not going to put my minutes. shoes you in the car. To to go- <laughs> good my- good one. 30 minutes. Good to one. Do all those things. There's, so a go very, and
5: do it. there's a very easy solution. Get you a handbag.
3: Yes. A purse.
5: Yeah. Get yes. you a
3: purse to a put murse. everything in. So you just pick it up and go. They already That's have high. your shoes on. That's actually
4: why I carry that blue pack around with me, because that's where I carry all my shit. Um, but <laughs> no. for my pocket stuff, like I said, I don't want to put all that stuff in my pocket and get my shoes on when I can be comfy until it's time for you to get out, and then we can go.
3: And then I'll, uh, I can give Steven a five-minute warning. Five minutes!
4: <laughs> that You know what? Perfect. That would actually be really awesome, and I bet he'd appreciate it. I know
3: I would. My next one is, Jack is sad that Sandry's not coming, and he's like, I thought I'd be needed to save her from ferocious goats and the like. Ferocious goats. So okay. Even if there were
2: ferocious goats, it is far more likely that Sandry is going to be needed to save
3: him from ferocious right? goats. <laughs> right? Facts. When Daja and Rizu are together and Daja wishes that she had long curling eyelashes like Rizu's, they made everything she did look flirtatious. Aww. I mean,
4: I wrote that one down, but I put uh, Daja and Rizu sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G.
3: Yes. When Alaga overhears uh, Sandry and Triss in their conversation about the taxes, and she tells them he is yet another Landrig Mule. And then Sandry's like, Landring House breeds very fine mules. And Alaga is like, yes. I believe it is because the breeders share a few traits in common with them.
2: I just love Sandry getting so upset about this. Like, he's like a mule. We have lovely mules! Like, yeah, so does it change the fact that he's like a mule? You all are! Right? And and she proves it just by saying this. Exactly!
3: She wasn't criticizing the family mules. No, she's just saying that her husband... Stubborn, she was just noticing a family resemblance that's already been <laughs> pointed out. <laughs> uh, oh,
5: Sandry, I'm going to say the majority of mine got stolen, it's the only one that didn't get stolen. I just like Sandry looking at the little boy and going, Are you the speaker for this village?
3: I think that's yes, so
2: she's so good with kids.
5: I lied there's actually one more and it's when Ambrose and Triss are talking and Triss is like you can trust her when she gives her word she means it.
2: I really like that exchange between Ambrose and Triss as well.
4: I liked the entire like three paragraphs talking about Sandry's consequence beginning with either I'm important enough that what they say doesn't matter or I'm not important enough to where I can't have a maid and that that is her consequence. And then Tris is like, when did the consequence get in here? Did they sneak her in last night? And then Briar's like, no, her consequence came in, <laughs> in the bread yesterday or whatever. And it's like, shut up, you guys. I get it. Consequence. Yeah.
2: I do feel kind of bad for Sandra here because she's trying to help this lady. And she's like, she's going to be my maid. And she makes this decision because it seems like the most helpful thing, especially because she says later, like, this guy looks vengeful. I can't just let this woman go because he will probably try and go after her. I want to make sure that she's safe. But as she's doing this and like being this authoritative figure, Tris kind of undermines her by being like, "You said you didn't need a maid." And then Tris gets upset at her for being for snapping, and she's like, "Well, I've changed my mind. Well, so don't bite my head off." And I was like, Tris,
1: like, the that- frame? <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I that was one of the things that was like, well, you didn't have to say that, and it just makes more conflict.
3: Like you could have pulled her right. to the side later and be like, "Hey, I thought you said you didn't want this." You, you, just, what,
4: just in front just of what Daja everyone.
3: does in front of everyone.
4: Yeah,
2: because <laughs> right. Daja does the same thing. She asks her in private, and she's mm-hmm. like hey, I thought you said you didn't want a maid and then Sandry is able to explain yeah, but exactly. I I also want to make sure that she's safe
4: the tax shit got me like that is devious sneaky, mean bad governance that the queen is like taxing uh, is going to keep taxing the land and then she stops when Sandry's there so then she's stuck there to try and help the people there and if she decides
3: to leave she'll just tax them again
4: So she's not allowed to leave. It sucks. Sneaky, sneaky shit. I don't like it, but it's clever.
2: I kind of marked that too. There's a part where she's talking to Guggeny about, or no, I think she's talking to Ambrose about like Gudrun's story. And Ambrose are like, look, I did everything I could. And she's like, please don't rub my nose in it. Like, I already feel bad because I have not done enough. And then she later talks, I think she's maybe talking to Triss. But she's talking to somebody about, like, I have to be here because of this tax stuff, but I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here forever. I don't want to be dealing with this. So it's just a really interesting conflict that she's been stuck with. I don't know, like, it adds texture to the story and and complexity. I'm interested to see uh, how she deals with it. I already pointed out, like, Tris being kind of uh, mule-headed herself with like telling sandra in front of him, you said you didn't need to be but also at the beginning she pulls rank on halmar which i think is really interesting and not didn't strike me as completely triss like because normally she's like i don't want to deal with any of the like society bullshit like she's the one who wants to deal with it the least uh, which is why she goes and hangs out in the library but then she comes out and she tells halmar while he's shouting This is not what I expected in a nobleman's house. Who are you, and how dare you wake us? It's just like, wow, Triss pulling
5: rank.
3: Wake me up. Okay,
5: some motherfucker woke me up screaming. (laughs) Yes, it wouldn't matter who I was. I'd be like, (laughs) listen here, motherfucker.
2: Also, to be fair, Triss pulls rank, but then Helmar says. Do you stand between a man and his lawful wife? It is you who are in the wrong, we may say or no. So he's literally being, he's literally saying, I know you're a mage and I don't give a fuck. Which is a bad thing to say to any mage, but it's an especially bad thing to say to Triss. she
3: has got lightning coming out of her hair. What the hell is wrong with this
2: guy? This man is not afraid of anything. Apparently not. Goodwin pointed out, Either I'm so important that the squeaks of a beetle like him aren't worth my attention, or I'm not important, which means I can't hire his former wife as my maid and her children as my pages. And because this is in response to like Ambrose saying, oh, you should have him flogged for disrespect. And there's another part where the footman like kicks him. So he like kicks his legs out from under him. And he's like, you will bow to your liege lord and all of this. And Sandry looks at the footman and she's like, are you quite finished? I have this handled. I don't need you messing with it. And I really like that. And I like the fact that she is merciful in this way. And she's like, yes, I will tell you off. But that's all I feel like I need to do. She doesn't need to to make a, make a bigger stink out of it than, than he's already made of it. And I think, I don't know, I think that's a good lesson as a teacher too. Daja is about to tell Sandry, I think you're supposed to have the housekeeper come to you, but she doesn't get the chance because Sandry leaves too quickly. And then when Sandry comes back, she's like, the housekeeper chastised me because I should have called her up here instead of going to her.
4: She's just so not used to it.
2: Also, I feel like we should take a moment to acknowledge the abuse that this woman has been through. Like, we kind of already know, but here she talks about how he would keep her up at night. He would lecture me for hours into the night until I'd agree to anything just so he would let me sleep. I was always shaking, never sure what the children or I might fail at next. I don't believe I've had a good night's sleep in 10 years.
4: Yeah, I was not expecting uh, all these depictions of abuse. Like, yeah. it was, uh, that was tough to read.
2: And then just this whole, she has to do responsible things. Unless you want to hold account books for her to read, I'd mount up. Jack shuddered as he followed her suggestion. That's what I have older brothers for. I don't know. It's a good image of their idle noble class. Well, and I think we talked about a few chapters ago, like how it's almost like the empress has like groomed them to be idle. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, your job is to just be here and amuse me. Yeah. Okay, this... Is stupidly cute. All it took was the mention of particularly tough long water beads that fouled oars and rudders to sidetrack Briar from his flirtation with Katie. Yep. As soon as he finds out that the river is all clogged up, the people who live there having trouble with it, he's like, Oh, let me go deal with plant things. Similar to Sandry, he does clearly have this like desire to just help people. Because yeah. it's, it's a plant thing, but it's also just him being like, oh, hey, I can help you with that. I'm going to blame that on Larkin and Rosethorn. And then we have this description of Daja with the forge. We've talked before about how people who have fire magic are typically like fiery and angry and stuff. And Daja's the calm one. Mm-hmm. Um, after time spent in the noble's glittering company, Daja needed the solidity of the forge and those who worked in them. She always felt excited among the nobles as if she stood on the brink of some great discovery. It was wonderful, but exhausting. Metal brought her back to earth." And so we get that like groundedness, but I also like, that it, I feel like Pierce takes this concept from a different place or in a different direction. So instead of being like, oh, Daja works with fire, so she's fiery, it's Daja works with metal because so she's grounded because metal comes from the ground. And I just like that connection.
4: I I don't know why. I thought you were going to say Briar's grassy because he likes trees.
2: (laughs) Daja, observing that Triss is patient, something she learned on her travels, gentled her a bit. Working with Kath? (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She'd keep me here, even knowing I hated it. She scowled suddenly, a white hot fire burning inside her chest. I hate bullies, she thought furiously. And Baronine is a bully of the first degree. It's just pure Sandry. So she comes to Sandry and she's like, hey, uh, we want to go up in the tower, but we need your permission or they won't let us. And Sandry's like, I'll just go with you and that way they'll know. And Tris says, act like a decent person or you can't come. And again, like Tris, you need to learn to like, I don't know, use your words better, I guess. <laughs> like, I get your point but can you say this like nicely? Just tell her that she needs to like, okay, but let's take a minute so you can feel calm. I will trust on
3: this one. Sandry's not a decent person because she wants to help people. <laughs> I'm not saying that she's not decent. She just needs to calm down. Yeah, she could have worked well, better,
2: but like... Th- that's my point. Like, Sandry does need to calm down, but Tris says you need to act like a decent person, and I feel like that's an unfair thing to say because she's uh, not
3: a- She's not, not acting like a decent person. She's uh, just frustrated. But then she was, was going to take it out on her friends, like, I answered to no one, so now I'm going to bully everyone even though i don't like bullies i'm gonna be a bully and let, until tris says something to her like hey chill the fuck out I,
2: I think tris needs to learn to use her words better i agree ambrose drifted over to sandry's side i'd get sick to my stomach that doing that referring to Triss. i can't read in carriages or ships for that matter and then sandry's response is, i think if tris got sick she wouldn't even notice nope probably not <laughs> And then Sandry realizes that Ambrose isn't a dry stick after all. She even laughs with him because he ends up telling her stories. So she has some kind of emerald jewelry from her mother that she's going to sell to get money so that they can do the Pothkin repairs right away. He's like, but won't you want them to wear? And I'm just like, you really don't know Sandry at all, my friend. (laughs)
1: and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Part two of our three-step reading process is Reading Like a Dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. What theme or message did you find?
4: The theme that I found was responsibility. Andrea sees how her parents ignored a good runny's plight and realize that she can't turn her back on her own people. And it kind of goes back with the whole, uh, the accounts on the estate. Like, she always hated looking at the taxes and didn't really pay attention to them. Meanwhile, she was, you know, essentially getting paid from them, taking, you know, not, not advantage, but she was reaping the benefits and not actually seeing the state that, like, these lands were in. She was just kind of taking and taking and not protecting and taking care of her own stuff. She wants to change that, and she's going to be looks like she's going to be a little more responsible about
5: it i was gonna say mine ties into that with accountability she's holding the husband accountable for the things that he's done ambrose is kind of holding her accountable for what's happened and she's holding herself accountable to like change
3: what she can mine was the same as goodwin's responsibility mine was
2: kindness Which again is like a lot in Sandri's actions, though we also see it with like Triss and Jugoris and we see it with like Briar helping the people with the weeds. And I would even argue with Dasha and Rizu being cutesy together. Sandri taking this person in and helping her, even being merciful to her husband and like the, the asshole fuckwad of a husband. And then with the little kids in the village. Part three of our three step reading process is Reading Like a Mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter?
5: I got, she has a way with people. I wish I did. You show them you care about them by looking after their welfare. I'm not the best at people. Well, okay, I'm good at people. I'm not good with people, is what I should say. I know that there's a lot more affectionate people. I don't like being touched on good days by people I like. It, it It's just a thing that's me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, well, I wish I could be better about that with people. I guess that my magic is actually more of I feel like my friends know that I give a shit about them. And that they can depend on me. And that if they called me to go help them hide a body i fucking would drop everything to go do so just because i don't get touchy and affectionate and constantly send barrage of text messages going hey how are you doing hey i love you hey what's up like i still show that i care i need to actually remember that not everybody is going to be mad if i just don't say anything for 2 weeks and then come back and be like hey thinking about you love you and then disappear for another 2 weeks cuz that's <laughs> just kind of what I do
3: well luckily we meet up every week so yeah. you can't ghost me i was, I'll I, see was you more, anyway.
5: I was more meaning like by by online friends or the three friends who live here who are not in the game group. I have to remember that everybody has different ways to show that they give a shit about people. And mine might not be traditional, but I still actually give a fuck. And the people who matter know that I give a fuck.
3: So mine is basically the same thing um, giving a fuck about people. But mine comes from the passage of when uh, Daja and Sandry's talking. Sandry tells Daja, I don't want to be like other nobles, uncaring, and then talking about uh, her mom. Oh, I know she was flighty. So is Papa. They were like children in a way. They use their money to travel and have fun all the time, never asking where it came from or what they owe to the people who provided it. They were wrong in that, very wrong. If I've learned nothing else these last three years, I've learned that much. Giving a shit about people and uh, wanting to try to help people in any way I can. And let people know that I care about them. Good one. Is Allie back? No, we-, no <laughs> we
4: don't. I mean, she's <laughs> not. She's not that. <laughs> Uh, so number three, uh, my magic was, uh, get wait. ready on time and never make anybody wait on me ever. I will put my shoes on about an hour before I have to go. I'll put my keys in my pocket. I will not complain when people take too long to get ready. I will instead just be prepared at all times. I'm just going to keep my keys in my pocket 24 hours a day. So I don't have to make people wait on me. I'm also going to go to bed with shoes on because I'm a good boy and I don't <laughs> want people to get mad at me. So uh, that's my personal magic on to you, Molly. Let's go.
2: Okay. <laughs> right. Mine is actually pretty much at the same vein as Indy and Brittany's. I, I didn't have a specific quote, but I talked about like being open to people or giving people a chance. And that doesn't mean that you have to be like naive about it, but just Sandry realizing that Ambrose is not a stick. Because once she finally like gives him a chance. And with Gujurini, she's she's giving her this chance. It even ties back to what I talked about before with getting people to speak their minds about you and not being overly bearing when people do things, when people make bad decisions, I guess. Because a lot of this to me goes back to my students and the way that I should treat my students. I do want my students to tell me what i'm doing wrong i do want to use that to get better the concept of somebody being flogged for showing disrespect that's basically the same thing that we do to students where i work if a teacher thinks that you have been disrespectful then they can send you to the principal and the principal can give you swats i don't want to be that person i would rather be the person who just says like hey this is a thing that I've seen, like, what can we do about it? And I'd rather work with people. I don't feel like our system is working very well. Similar to how, I guess I'd say similar to how Sandry is frustrated with the nobility in Namor. And I'm kind of frustrated with the behavior of a lot of educational professionals. All right, Goodwin, what is yours for realsies?
4: I'll stick with what I said. Uh, but to, to, to put a more serious spin on it, I'll just say, uh be respectful of others time
2: i feel bad for harassing you no (laughs) no
4: no don't worry ali's not listening it's fine
2: (laughs) okay now what would you say if ali wasn't here
4: honestly i think that one's good i i had a tough time actually finding one that like really resonated (laughs) with me but I do think that being respectful of others' time is good. So, uh, don't be late to stuff. Obviously, shit happens, but you know, if you know, getting up, getting somewhere, maybe 10, 15 minutes earlier mm-hmm. would keep you from being late at all. Do that. Being punctual is important. So, don't be like Jack. Get there on time. Mm-hmm.
2: We like to end our episodes with an excerpt from the following chapter. So this is an excerpt from chapter 10 of The Will of the Empress. You're going to try that thing, aren't you? Demanded Sandry, her eyes blazing. You're going to try to kidnap me and force me to sign a marriage contract so you'll get all my wealth and lands. Oh, not cry, dearest wealthy Haim, Demeter assured Sandry. We're going to do it. Your party has eight swords and we have 20. Isn't that just like a bully, Sandry replied shortly. You think you have a sword, so you don't have any vulnerabilities. Out of my way, she ordered the guards. They hesitated long enough to infuriate Sandry. Before she could shout at them, Tris said, do as she says, please. The guards flinched at the sound of her voice. When they looked at Sandry and met her glare, they reluctantly need their horses to either side to open a passage for her. Ambrose lunged forward to grab Sandry's rein and missed. "'Are you Emelanese mad?' he demanded coldly, his cheeks flushed. "'No, we aren't,' Tris told him quietly. "'We know precisely what we're doing.' Sandry rode forward until her mount stood between those of two guards. "'I'm not going with these people,' Sandry replied, her blue eyes fixed on the would-be kidnappers. "'I can't abide men who don't dress properly.' Triss saw the billow of silver fire that passed from Sandry to strike the three nobles in front of them. It spread from their followers, jumping from man to man, until it formed a ring that passed through them all. For a moment, it seemed as if nothing had happened. The only sound was the wind over the grasslands around them. Then a man yelped. He wore a leather and metal plate jerkin over his heavy tunic. Now the tunic collapsed into pieces, squirmed out from under the leather, and fell to the ground. Another man in Triss's view grunted as his britches fell apart at the seams and wriggled off. The tunic under the youngest noble's breastplate also went to pieces and crawled away, while the cloak tied around his neck disintegrated into a heap of threads. Yeskoy hitched his chin as if trying to adjust the shirt under his armor. Instead, a cloud of threads trickled from his sleeves and the hem of his armor like milkweed down. Maybe if you had women you didn't treat as slaves, your clothes would hold up better, Sandry continued, her hands white-knuckled on the reins. Oh, but look, your leather workers don't do you very well either. Now the stitches on the leather tunics gave way, as did the stitching that secured each metal scale to the leather beneath it. Leather britches came apart at the seams. Boots fell to the ground in pieces. I doubt their saddlers like them either, Clayhame, remarked one of the guards. All the stitchery in the saddles, tack, and saddle blankets was unraveling. Men slid to the ground, reins in their hands, stumbling as if they had as they landed in piles of leather and cloth. Their belts gave way as Sandry's thread magic called to the stitches that held the buckles in place. Leather wrapped weapon hilts came apart in their owner's fists. By the time Sandry was done, twenty naked men surrounded them. Only a few still held the better-made swords. Even the binding that secured the double-headed axe to its haft came apart, leaving Demeter to scrabble for the sheathed sword that lay among his belongings. The horses fled, unnerved by the feel of things coming apart on their sensitive backs. I'd surrender if I were you, yet another of Sandry's guards advised. She's been nice. She hasn't asked the redhead to look after you. The redhead isn't at all nice. I've been working on it, complained Triss. Ambrose looked at a ring of naked men. Do you know? I would have thought that for a mission to kidnap a young girl, you'd all be better equipped.
4: Goddamn.
5: Thoughts?
2: Fire. <laughs> Got <him. laughs> Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany,
3: Indy.
4: and Goodwin.
3: If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies.
4: You can also help people find us by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
2: Find all our episodes at our new home on Acast. Shows.acast.com slash Reading Circle Temple. Shake it us. We'd
5: love to hear from you. Send us an email at Temple Reading Circle at gmail.com.
4: You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And... You can join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group.
3: To find us on Twitter, tweet at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellows for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their art by following Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon Ann Draws on Instagram.
5: Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You
3: can find more of his music by following
5: Thomas Dick on SoundCloud.
4: Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening.
3: Let's all have coffee next week. Five minutes. Allie, are you, you ready?
4: ready? She's not here. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it up because she'd be coming in here.
3: What did you say? Why did
4: you why do you say that it takes me so long to get ready and then you're not ready? Yeah, I get no no. I want
3: her perspective.
4: Do not ask her. <laughs> she will be pissed at me.
3: <laughs> Does she listen to this podcast?
4: Occasionally, yeah. Yeah.
3: We'll have to tell her to listen to this episode.
4: Allie, I love you. (laughs) But a little bit of warning before you're ready would be nice.
0: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.